Money can't buy happiness But it can buy me a boat It can buy me a truck to pull it It can buy me a Yeti 110 ice down with some silver bullets Yeah, and I know what they say Money can't buy everything Well, maybe so But it can buy me a boat Welcome to the Boat Boss. Each week we sit down with a mover and shaker or an executive and we talk about living, working, and playing on the water. My name is Kim Swears, the host of Boat Boss, and I'm also the managing partner, one of them, of FB Marine Group, one of America's top 100 dealerships. Well, if you know anything about offshore racing, you'll know our next guest. He is racing royalty. He started his career when he was 19 years old with Keek Hafer Mercury, which is now owned by Mercury. I'm going to show you a quick video. We'll introduce our guests, and then we'll get down to the meat of, of the interview. So roll film. Richie Powers, welcome to the Boat Boss. Nice collage. <laughs> That's a great intro. So, Richie, I want to start off with a little bit of gratitude and say, you know, thank you for all your years of friendship. You and I and Randy have been friends for uh, decades. Actually, you and Randy longer than uh, what you and I have. But I wanted to say thank you for who you are and what you are to me. I'm eternally grateful for you. My pleasure. You're my love. <laughs> You're my, my work husband, and I'm your work wife, right? That's it. So let's get down to it. You have raced with some of the top royalty in the world, whether it be Hollywood, L.A., offshore racing, from Tom Dentry to uh, Don Arano to Don Johnson to um, Kurt Russell. You know, you name it, you've, you've raced alongside of them. You're, there's a picture right there of you with the two famous actors, Don Johnson and Kurt Russell. A 50-foot um, catamaran with four 1,000 horse motors. Oh, man. So tell me, how do you, at 19, apply, or you applied for the job at 15 at Key Hafer, and you ended up getting the job eventually, like three or four years later, and then you aspire to the top throttlemen in the world, one of the top racers. How does that happen? How do you become the world's greatest racer? Well, I just got a lot of really good breaks. Carl Kiekafer was my mentor. He was the coach Lombardi of my life. <clears throat> and basically I excelled in in the uh, test boat, uh, the endurance testing and stuff like that, I became the, the lead driver. And then, uh, you know, Kikafer started the offshore racing team and the, the manager of the facility where I was at in Sarasota, Florida, uh, was one of the racers. And, um, 
So he asked me to go to Lake X, set up his boat and stuff like that. So that's where I got started. I started riding. I was a, a riding crew member. So 21 foot sea craft with a pair of 110 horse Mercury outboard motors. So in your bio, it said that you were paid to break things for a living. That is like the dream job of any person, I believe, especially me. Tell us about that. Well, I was the guy that got paid to jump the ski ramps, to jump islands, run over telephone poles, run along wide open with twin engines, throw them back into reverse as hard as they could go and see if they'd break off the transom. So a lot of good times. That is crazy. So what was like one, like an average day at work that like you would just show up and what would happen? Get up, put my life jacket on, get my safety gear, jump in the boat, take the lead of five other boats behind me and head out on the intercoastal. We'd be gone for four hours at a time, come back wow. in for lunch and fuel them up and go again. And they paid you to do this? Paid me to do it. Wide open travel. <laughs> W-O-T, wide open throttle. I love it. So at what point did you say to yourself, I, I want to be, I want to aspire to be the world's greatest throttle man? I mean, how did that, when did that thought cross your, your, your mind? Well, I was a young guy, you know, I'm young and dumb and full of it. So, <laughs> you know, I, I just grasped every opportunity that I could. I, I was the youngest guy at the Mercury Lake X offshore racing team and i just uh you know i dreamed to do it I, I i did every dirty nasty job there was to get in with the rest of the group and you know from sanding fiberglass bottoms to straightening bottoms propeller checking and stuff like that but i was just eager and, and i got the brakes you know i i got my first factory sponsored race boat from mercury at uh, 19 years old and um, you know the rest is kind of history from there it's a great message you talk about you know you did whatever it took you know to get to to just make it happen and that's a great message for anyone in any profession so hats off for, you know to you for for all your success so when did it actually go into richie meets la hollywood and you start racing with Arano, Gentry, Johnson, Russell. When did that happen? How did that happen? Well, my big break came when um, the the Italian Carlo Bonomi wanted a race boat, the same thing that Dr. Magoon had, that had just won the U.S. championship, and it was powered by Kike for Aero Marine. It's when uh, Carl Kike for left Mercury, he, he retired left Mercury and formed Kike Ferrero Marine and started back into the offshore powerboat racing. And I, I had finished the offshore with Lake X and everything else. And at that point in time, Kike Ferrero asked, you know, most of the young guys, what do you guys want to do? You want to keep racing? You want to be engineers? You want to be factory reps? What do you want to do? And, you know, naturally, me and two other guys said, well, we want to stay in racing. So we went to moved to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and wow. became members of the OPC team, which was the Mullinary Boats and stuff like that at the time. And, uh, you know, we pursued that for two years. I won the championship in 1971 uh, with the Mercury Racing Team. 
which I don't even count that one. So <laughs> that's just another one. But then uh, Kikaver, so like, like I said, got back into offshore racing with this building this boat for Carlo Bonomi. So I had been, uh, I moved from Mercury to Kike Ferro Marine and uh, helped build this boat, put it together and everything else. And in the meantime, we were, we were developing the fuel injected engines. So I was uh, in, the, in the engineering department and um, worked with the development with Jim Kinsler for Kinsler Fuel Injection to install fuel injection on the 482 cubic inch motors and stuff like that. So anyway, through all of this development process um, and, and rigging the, the boat for Carlo Bonomi, which was Aero Marine 9, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it all came together and uh, I was selected to go and be the throttle man, which, you know, I'd really never throttled a, an open class boat other than testing wow. it on Lake Winnebago and stuff like that. So, and, and I had just... Uh, <laughs> I had just had a, a major car accident where I was, uh, I passed away. They brought me back a couple of times. So I was damaged goods when it came time to ship the boat and go over and race. So here I was, you know, two months after the accident, half of my head shaved off and scarred and, you know, one eye is crooked and everything else. And I show up with this multimillionaire Carlo Bonomi and say, Let's go racing. Who's this guy? Who's this guy? And I said, oh, my God, here we go. So the first race was from Italy to Yugoslavia. And, uh, you know, beautiful day. It was four to six foot seas and stuff like this. And, you know, first race, we're getting to know each other and everything else. We, we take off and uh, we get halfway through and I start to pass out. Oh. I'm, I'm seeing stars. I can't. I can't even work anymore. I, I'm, I'm like, no. So please, God, help me. And then the propeller broke. Oh, thank God. I jumped in the freezing cold water. Brought me back to life. Jumped in the boat. We finished third. Wow. <laughs> from, that point on, from that point on, we won just about every race we went to. See that God's looking out for you, Rich. He always has. Always will. Amen. So tell me what everyone, you know, is 7-Eleven. Oh, you're talking to 7-Eleven, Richie, 7-Eleven, seven times 11. What does that mean? I know what it means. So why don't you tell the world who's not, who doesn't know Richie Powers what 7-Eleven stands for? Seven world titles. Four of those are the Union, Union of International Motorboating titles, which that's when we raced against uh, all the French, the Italians, the English, the Americans, the whole thing. We ran almost 26 races a season, and you only took your best third of your results. So oh, wow. to win those four was, and I won them back to back, 1973, four, five, and six. Mm -hmm. So, and then my other ones were uh, the OPT World Championships in Key West. I won in uh, 1992 and 1993 with Apache Heritage, which was the first. 47 foot Apache cut down with a canopy, very first wow. super built like that. And we won the world championship back to back, 1992, 1993. And then uh, in 93, I was asked to throttle the Diorite Scarum mm -hmm. for Wellcraft. And uh, I said, 
it was two weeks after the World Championships in Key West that we ran the APBA World Championships in Fort Myers. So we had, I had my driver, Omar Danielle from Switzerland. Sure. And he's, uh, he, he, he's the one that uh, we won the, in Apache Heritage. And uh, so Wellcraft says, well, you know, who would you like to have drive? So I said, Omar. So we qualified the boat in two races. We beat NXS in Texas and uh, Sarasota by seconds. So we were qualified. And then, uh, so we won 93 in Key West. Two weeks later, jumped in a totally different boat at a uh, 42-foot scarab, the triple 1200s. Wow. Beat Reggie Fountain and won the world championship. I love it. I love Thank it. You. That's been, and, and that was what year? 1994. 1994. So I'm going to show um, sorry, a clip. Sorry, I'm sorry, 1993. 1993. So uh, in, in our conversations, we've had so many, you talk about the Hudson being your favorite race. And there was a, it's a lot of meaning to that. So I'm going to show our, our audience a clip from that race. This You did set a world record at that race and many more to follow after that. So I'm going to roll the film and you're going to see a life and actually life according to Richie Powers, an offshore legend. So roll film. Now, here's the start, and look at the start. Side by side, look at that water go. Peter Markey, but Little Caesars Pizza, you see him out in front right now. Team USA, though, is gathering momentum. Apache Kid on the inside. Caesars Pizza and Team USA, look at the speed of this race here in the start. A catamaran versus the deep deep right on the start of this race. There's the buoy during laundry, but look at the lighter boat. Special Edition is taking the lead. The lighter boat getting the faster start with the bigger boats, Dirty Laundry, and Chairman of the Board trying to catch up here at the start, Jim. As we look at Nuri Samuja and Hurley Step teaming up with Chairman of the Board, you can see him at slot number two in between the wake of the US-1 and Dirty Laundry. One of the smallest in the fleet, the 35-foot Jaguar Cat out on top of the one of the biggest we're looking at right now, the 40-foot Q. Look at this Dirty Laundry. And I'll tell you one thing about Smitty Smith, he'll love this water. He really will as he starts to come up now on Special Edition. John DeLee and his son J.D. setting the pace, but not for long. Here comes Dirty Laundry. It's going to be a battle. The DeLeas really need to get back into the points race, and they want to win here at New York. Dirty Laundry coming off three consecutive victories to take over the points lead in the open division. Joe Mock and Smitty Smith. They're about side by side, but here comes Chairman of the Board to join the party. Those Lamborghinis whining out as they want to take over the lead on the fly side. Back here in New York City, we have the fastest lap ever in offshore racing history, 127.3 mile an hour for Team USA, number 50, a new single lap world record. Bye-bye. Amazing race. Wow. We had, a, we had a, the fastest lap average. I think it still stands 127 miles an hour average. So what made that race so special? Was it the world championship or the world record or was it racing in New York City? What made it so special? Well, it was really racing in New York City. You know, Don and, and Kurt and everybody were, you know, we were the, the ones to beat, really. And um, we, we had done a lot of testing prior to that race and everything else. And we had the boat really hooked up. We had... Uh, special carburetors that we we spent a thousand dollars per carburetor wow and, it, and it's two per motor times four motors so uh you know we had it tuned up pretty good and um 
it's just it was a good race well it's, it looked like an amazing race and congratulations so you obviously were part of our race team at FB Marine Group. You're our, our race chief and, and coordinator. You coordinated a lot of the races for Randy and, and the team. So we, you saw racing of past and racing today. So very different. It was very glamorous. Not that it's not now, but it's very Hollywood. There were so many actors and actresses and media and, and helicopters. You know, can you, I mean, which... Can you maybe talk to us about the difference of racing then versus racing now and how drastically different it is? I think the bottom thing is dollars. <laughs> you know, basically what happened is, you know, we had a lot of millionaires in the sport. You know, we had the Copelands, the Gentrys, the, the Joe Mox, uh, you know, all of these guys that were building four-engine catamarans, 50-foot catamarans, four 1,000-horse motors, and you know, not only the fact that we had the 50-foot cat, we had a 48-foot V-bottom with triple thousand horse motors wow. in it, and we take those to the races. So, you know, I, I think the dollars just overwhelmed the, the public, yeah, and then, yeah, you know, we yeah. went through that deal and when everybody lost their dough and everything else, so it, it was, it, it's... Irregardless, to, today it's, it's still about boat racing, and boat racing has gone through all kinds of different eras and things like this. I mean, when I was racing in Europe and uh, back in the Class 1 days in the 70s, uh, we were racing, most everybody ran 36-foot cigarettes or 35-foot cigarettes with mm -hmm. twin 650-horse motors. But if you wanted to go to Europe and race for the UIM World Championship, you needed one, two, or three boats because you're running so many races. I mean, wow. we'd race. We'd race one day on a Saturday. On a Saturday, we'd race from Italy to Yugoslavia. Have oh another boat. That's for world championship points. We'd have another boat sitting in Yugoslavia to race back the next day. Same course wow. for Italian and European championship points. So wow. when, I, when I finished with Martini and Rossi, we had a total of four boats around the United States, around the world. That's amazing. So it's basically, it's all about the dollars. The dollars well, made it happen. Yeah, pretty much. And then, you know, the shorter courses, people wanted to True. Yeah. get into the spectators and have the spectators watch the race, stuff like this. I mean, we used to have races on, on the when we first started with the inland courses and stuff like that, I mean, we did the Benihana race. We'd have 20, 30, 40,000 people on the banks watching the races. Wow. So it's, it's racing is still racing. Uh, racing is racing. That's right. It's all about, it's all about the boats. Yeah. Still so, to do it. So I did a post to announce that, that I was interviewing you, and one of your fans, Steve Willis, asked me to ask you this question. So, Steve, shout out to you. Uh, what was your greatest win? My greatest win was the Cows Turkey Cows Race. It was over in uh, Great Britain. And basically, I got a call on a, uh, on, a, for, on a Thursday or Friday. I'm not sure which one it was that uh, I was called by Bill Ellswick, who was racing for the uh, Harmsworth Trophy and stuff like that, informed me that his throttle man had broken his foot and could I come over? I said, well, sure. Bill, I said, the race is on Saturday. I, I, there's no way I can get out there. He said, look outside your window. 
I looked outside and there was a limo out there. Wow. I said, just go get in the limo. So I grabbed a pair of jeans and a couple of pair of underwear, jumped in the limo, took a, a, a chartered jet to New York, got on the Concorde, flew to London, got wow. the up in Heathrow in a, in a private helicopter, flew to the Isle of Wight that evening before the race, never even saw the boat, didn't know anything about it, never tested it or anything else, jumped in it the next morning, won the race, set a lap, set a speed record, 79.8 miles for 246 miles, got back, went to the prize giving that evening, Looked outside, the helicopter was there, took me to Heathrow, jumped on the Concorde, and I was back in Miami in, on Monday. <laughs> wow. That, that was the ultimate race. That sounds like the ultimate race. Amazing. I mean, there's, there's so many. I could go on forever. Well, you're definitely racing royalty, that is for sure. So Let's people, talk about... People ask me how fast have I ever been? Yeah. The... 1,320 miles an <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Let's talk about your favorite race boat. Favorite race boat was the 47 Apache, Apache Heritage. Mm -hmm. That was uh, one of the, like I said, that was the first canopied sit-down V-bottom super boat that was ever built and raced. We showed up, uh, we showed up that Wednesday. Well, it goes back. Nobody... Everybody thought we were crazy by sitting down in a V-bottom. But I just finished racing with Don Johnson and the cat. And I said, listen, that cat's going to hit harder than any V-bottom in the world. So I said, I'll take my chances. So we went ahead. And uh, thanks to Omar Danielle, who at the time was a 21-year-old kid, said, let's do it. And uh, so That's when we built the boat, we took the Lake X, tested it. And we didn't cut the boat freeboard down enough to see over the bow when we were sitting on the boat. So we did as much test work as we could. And, uh, you know, finally we decided it's got to be cut down. So we took it back to the shop mm -hmm. and uh, the Apache team went about cutting it down. We left, went to Key West. The boat showed up the first Wednesday morning of the first race. Uh, at, at daybreak, we got the boat in the water. It was a stock island, and we had to run it down to um, the galleon in Key West. Mm -hmm. And um, we got in the boat. We could see over the bow. We said, oh, my God, it's so good. And the boat ran about 112 miles an hour. We said, wow, oh God, we got a real winner here. Yeah. But uh, the problem was is the fumes were coming through with the, <gasps> the glass was still going off. But we, anyways, minor we, problem. We survived it and won two world championships after that. That's fantastic. Favorite driver? Who's your favorite driver? That you actually, you're a throttle man, world class throttle man. Who is your favorite driver? Omar Daniel. Yeah, and you still are close with him. Very close, very close. Yeah. He's like my son. That's awesome. He's now living in Dubai, and he uh, he went racing with Gary Ballou and the uh, yes. S and the S Cats and. Mm -hmm. uh, Almost uh, won the championship. Well, shout out to Omar. Wish him well. All right, so take us back to 1989. You were the one of the owners of Champion Marine, which was the IT boat dealership worldwide, especially in Miami. Jeff Sofer was your partner. 
Take us back to the day that a tall banker walked into your office looking for a job. <laughs> that, that's a good one. He uh, <laughs> this, this guy drove up in this kind of old car. I, I, I don't know if it was a Datsun or what the hell it was. He'll always dispute what it was, but it, it, it wasn't uh, the Ferrari that you would think and stuff like this. And this guy gets out of this car and he's like six foot nine or something like that. And I'm looking up at him. He looks like he just came out of GQ. And, uh, you know, he's, he's asking me for a job. And I said, yeah, I asked him, well, you've been out in boats? And oh yeah, I know boats like crazy. So, you know, he convinced me and I, I said, you're on buddy, Randy Swears. And uh, I, I, I think I actually gave Randy his first fastball ride on a 24 foot skater with a pair of 2.5s. That was, that was my initiation to the, uh, all the sales guys. They had to go for a ride with me on that thing. And there was a, we were out in Mall Lake and there's a, a little entrance, a little cut between the seawall. And uh, most of the guys didn't know about that cut. So I'd run at it about 110 miles an hour. And they're all got the white knuckles on the seats trying to thinking they're going to get killed. And I cut through this cut real quick. So wow. <laughs> it, uh, it got their attention. Well, you definitely scared him enough to love the business to start his own business. And now you work with us and we're one big happy family. Myrtle so Beach FB. That's right. Myrtle Beach FB. So tell me, you're a hero to so many. You're uh, one of my mentors, one of my life mentors. Who is Richie Powers' hero? Who's your mentor? My mentor was Carl Keycaver. He was uh, more like a father to me than anything. Uh, he's the one that named me Champ. That's why all of my stuff is Champ, you know, 7X Champ or Champion Marine and stuff like this. But he, he actually called his motors Champion Makers. But when I was racing for him over in Europe, I, whenever I finished the race, I had to go and call. I couldn't go to the awards banquet. I couldn't do anything. Until I was spoken with him, irregardless oh, whether the time changed or anything else. And if something broke, it didn't break the next race. That's amazing. So what an awesome man. Between him and I, we we've engineered a lot of the, the features that you see in offshore power boats today. Mm -hmm. It's gotta make you feel real proud. Yeah, yeah. And one of my ex-roommates was Freddie Kikafer. So Freddie and I became very, very close friends as well and uh, still remain. So what words of wisdom can you shed on anyone, whether young or old, that want to become a world-class offshore powerboat racer? Anything that you can share? Well, pursue it. You know, don't, don't give up on it. It's, you know, you've got to get into a dealership or, or, with a factory or something like that. I mean, I was very fortunate to be with the factory, which was amazing. But, you know, like I say, I, I did everything from sweeping the floors to polishing boots to, to yes. get where I was. And, and basically I, I never said no and um, always gave it my best effort. If yes. somebody said shine the propeller, that was the shiniest propeller that you could ever find in your life. Hey, you even changed the cat litter at FB Marine Group. I remember that. <laughs> crazy, crazy cat. <laughs> that, oh that, Beavis, the Beavis story. Okay, so 
I'm a huge believer in legacy. Um, Steve Jobs said, leave your spot on the world. And I am trying to leave my spot through um, my cancer and eradicating that horrible disease after I had it. Your spot, I believe, is your legacy of writing a book or producing a movie. What do you think, Richie? Well, it's funny. When they did the Don Erno movie, one of the first ones, all of the uh, producers and everything else, after they met me and had heard my stories, and yeah, you know, the stories get longer and better the more you drink at night. So <laughs> you know, they were pretty enthused. I said, geez, Richie, we should be writing this about you instead of Don Erno. And I, I mean, I was pretty flattered, but yeah, you know, yeah, basically yeah. when they did the Don Ernos story, they just wanted to know who shot him and stuff like that. So yeah, they yeah. wanted to know the gruesome parts of it, not so much yeah. about what the glorious he, side of it. Yeah, what he contributed yeah. to in, in offshore powerboats and stuff like that. So. so I have a saying, 10 and 10, my son Chase has, we share this saying that when we hang around Richie Powers or, or Randy or anyone that's of great fame in offshore powerboating, it's you walk 10 steps and then you talk 10 minutes and then you walk another 10 steps and you talk another 10 minutes. So everywhere I go with you, people know you. And it's a true testament to who you are and what you've accomplished in your lifetime. So hats off to you, my friend. Thank you, Kim. Love to you always. So the Mercury Racing Legacy continues next week. We are actually sitting down with the CEO of Brunswick, David Folks. I'm so excited to talk live living on the water, working on the water, and playing on the water with uh, the CEO, the man that heads up Brunswick. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss that one. It's been a great show, Richie Powers. We're going to circle back around with you once your book comes out, and we're going to have another show. And I can't wait. I wish you only the best in life, and it's an honor to, uh, to know you, my friend. Thank you very much. Likewise. So as I say, invest in your dreams, go get them, buy a boat, and get on the water. Signing off for Boat Boss, Richie Powers, thanks again for your time. Have an epic day, everyone.